Greetings, adventure. Welcome to the D20 Academy podcast. I'm Shiloh Kaneshiro. And I'm Gabriel. And this week is Bro Building Culture, Part 2. Hey guys, welcome to the second part of our culture for our world building series. We did part one last month, uh, and now we're doing part two. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Goodness, what's that actually last month? Yes, yeah, so, so this week we're going to be talking about uh, customs, art, education, gender roles, things like that. Yeah, and there's all kind of stuff in there like celebrations, fashion, architecture, food, all that good stuff. Um, hey, if you guys want to keep up with what we're doing here, uh, want to ask us some questions, whatever it is, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at d20 underscore academy, or join our Discord, which you can just find by DMing us on Instagram. Also, uh, I just started the YouTube channel um, for this, uh, for d20 academy, uh, where I am, right now, I'm trying to upload all the different podcast episodes that we've done in the past up to YouTube videos, um, so if you prefer listening to them on YouTube rather than like Spotify or whatever, you can now listen to them on YouTube. Also... I'm going to be doing tons of cool stuff on there. We're going to try to get some other cool like videos on that YouTube channel as well. So look out for all that. All right. First thing on the menu, customs. Customs is a big thing. Uh, it's been a while since we've talked about world building. It feels like it's been years. It's probably just been like yeah. a month or something. Long, long time. So we're going to start off with a biggie here. Customs. Customs play a big role in what defines a culture it yeah basically dictates like how they interact with other people how they interact within themselves uh how they just go about their everyday lives so when you're thinking about building a culture think about the things that go into a culture you're gonna want to think up some basic like outline of a cus of some customs, you know, and it doesn't need to be like something big or super intense, but customs are important. And just like for example, if you are like American, you probably have like some sort of custom of like you know how you greet someone, or you have like uh, the way that you you know communicate with other people from other like. Uh, countries and things like that. You know, it's like a basic outline of how you think that you should be doing that. It's built into you. It's just part of growing up in that culture. Yeah, yeah. You know, like like when you eat food, like when you eat meals, when like when you go to bed, well, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That's all tied into like the customs and all that kind of stuff. Um. So like the the one of the questions is like, what is the code of conduct? between people of different ranks or classes or is there even like ranks or classes in your um society in your culture that you're that you're building in this world i think we talked a bit last world building episode about um like building your own like little cultures and like having class systems and such um but you know if if people within a culture like do they greet people differently um if they are higher or lower class Mm -hmm. or do they see them in a certain way Right. If we look back at um, medieval um, times, um, back when there was uh, what was what's that form of government called? Like where they had like fiefdoms uh, and stuff. <laughs> Some something. Anyway, there was like the vassals, and then they owned the land, and then there was like the the land, uh, the the lords who had castles, and then the peasants worked the land in exchange for, uh, you know, protection or whatever. Um, and so like. The, the, there was definitely different different classes, right? There was the present working class, there were, like, the merchants, and then there were, like, the nobles, and there was a different code of conduct, right? You have to treat the nobles with more respect. Um, when, you know, someone of a higher class, I, if you're, tre- like, talking to someone of a lower class, you don't have to treat them with the same amount of respect or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it might be like, something like to reflect that in your world. Where there's a strict code of conduct, might just a little bit even more gray. Like perhaps it's just like how they perceive the people of different classes, and just how they change their behavior around them unconsciously. Also, like uh, perhaps they have like customs like how like do the people in your world like convey like certain emotions and stuff? Like, do they like outwardly convey like 
boredom or fear or, or excitement or is they like conditioned to be more you know just laid back are they conditioned to control their emotions more and not show them is it something like that or are they perhaps they like exaggerate their emotions you know they exaggerate their things and, and like if you feel this then they automatically show it out and like throw it out there in the world like the difference right. between like people's like you guys look at the stereotype of like oh Japanese people are always so like you know conservative and yes all that and that quiet and strict and mm -hmm. whatever right and it's not because as opposed to Americans yeah <laughs> Americans who are kind of stereotypically or like you know much more louder more expressive Rash. and such Yes, exactly. So, like, they the way they convey certain emotions and things are is just different because of the culture, mm -hmm. right? Uh, more Asian cultures, Chinese, Japanese, and stuff may be more like containing uh, your emotions or whatever, or like American, where it's very uh, you're very expressive, or um, you know other kind of European uh, cultures where it's also a little different there. Um, yeah, so just like yeah, how how do you know like if someone is bored or happy or sad? You know, how, how are they conveying that? You know, obviously without saying, I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but those just like cues. Um, how is that ingrained into the culture? Nothing mm -hmm. um, to keep in mind is like, this kind of factors into like, during our uh, language segment last time we were talking about like, you know, are there like curse words in different languages that people use right. in common? Uh, for a culture, perhaps that they have a gesture that is universally insulting, or a gesture that is, you know, meant to like ward off evil or something like that in your culture. Mm. And there are certain gestures that can come into play in your story or in your role playing that can be like universally recognized. You know, people in our world recognize the middle finger, but perhaps like in your world, like you have awarding gesture against evil or a gesture meant as a curse you know it's all sorts of yeah, yeah yeah tidbits of flavor that you can throw in there to your culture i think something kind of inspiring that you can kind of draw from on the more like expressive kind of outrageous end is like pirate culture and like that back in that time they just had all these superstitions like i guess sailor culture mm -hmm. um all these superstitions and like mythology and they have little customs and, and gestures and things they would do. Um, I, I just watched the Parts of the Caribbean trilogy like maybe a, a week or so ago <laughs> and they have all these little things that they've been, that they pulled from the past to put in the movie, um, pulled from, you know, actual history customs of sailors and pirates of like when someone mentioned Davy Jones or whatever, then they do a little thing with their hands and then they like spit on the floor and then they like, or they do like, you know, the cross where you bring your hand from your forehead to your chest to either shoulder. Um, that thing as well, right? That kind of Catholic, uh, Christian kind of symbol. Um, if, you know, talk like, oh, save my soul or whatever it is. Um, so that's kind of on, on the more colorful end of like lots of gestures and, and um, uh, you know, superstitions and things that they're kind of pulling on um, that, that, you can, that you can pull on um, to, to inspire your own cultures and the customs of, of the cultures in your world. Mm -hmm. You can also establish like holidays and celebrations within the culture and that can add a lot of like flavor like in our own culture we have certain celebrations like fourth of july and new year's and christmas and things like that that are just like universal throughout like our culture obviously celebrations that happen every year perhaps your culture has things like that perhaps they have things that happen every 10 years and so it's even more important and special. Just yeah. When you're thinking like a history of a of a culture, as we've discussed in the past, perhaps there's some sort of thing like a war, or celebrating being, you know, created something like that that they celebrate every now and then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think a great. I mean, once again, just look at real life. There's just so many examples and things that you can draw from, and and things you can get inspired by. Um, just from looking at examples um, from real life. So, like, you know, there are universal um, holidays and stuff, like Christmas um, and New Year's. Um, 
And then there's more cultural specific uh, holidays and celebrations, right? So for uh, in America, Thanksgiving. Nobody else has that. That's that's. Um, well, I mean, like a, Japan celebrates it. Uh, I think Canada has a different Thanksgiving. Uh, sure. <laughs> it's very weird. It, Sorry. It is, it is Perhaps like Thanksgiving specific. Is it is specific culturally to the United States. It's about when the people, you know, the pilgrims first came over, and all that kind of stuff, as well as you know, Independence Day, right? When we became an independent nation. That's specific to the nation. That's specific to the culture. Um, though we do also celebrate the worldwide holidays as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, those those are things to think about as well. Um, I think Matt Mercer in Critical Role um, does this really uh, well. It, it was really it really helps immerse um, the not only the players but the people watching uh, Critical Role into the show. He has like the Midwinter's Crest Festival, which they had like a whole episode on in the first campaign, um, which was like a filler anime episode <laughs> where they just like went around and did like carnival games. It was great, but. Um, you know, he created a holiday specific to that region because of, in a, uh, because of an event that happened in the past, much like our Thanksgiving or Independence Day. Um, and then in the second campaign, which takes place in a different region of that world, they don't celebrate that because it, it, it has nothing to do with that culture of, of that region. Yeah. So, again, nice little things that you can throw in there. Um... Perhaps an important thing in your world is perhaps in your culture there is like a rite of passage, a coming of, of age cer- ceremony or celebration, you know, like a bar mitzvah, uh, I quinceanera. Kin- what the quinceanera? Yeah. Oh yeah, I want to say something like that. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> That's when a girl turns sixteen. I think so. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And these can like be important celebrations in your culture that you're building. You know, it's perhaps like a turning point in that person's life. Perhaps, you know, that's like the start of their adventure for a character. Yeah. Perhaps it's something that, you know, the players or the people that you're following in your story like come upon that just like a bit more color to the culture that you're building. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it can be like a central plot point or whatever or it can be just kind of in the background but you know that is a cool thing to think about like you know what marks the transition from a child to an adult when 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 does that break happen in your culture and it that could be dependent on how you know the race if the culture is based around a race like an elf or a dwarf or human like how quickly they age um but like you know if there's some kind of celebration like what marks the 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 separation between from child to adult um i think what kind of like a common fantasy trope i'd say is like in a culture like if it's like a young man he has to like go out and like kill a bear or whatever you know (laughs) something like that like they have to go on like this hunt to prove their manhood i feel like that kind of pops up a lot in in fantasy worlds and, and stories um but yeah i think that's something to think about also something that we don't have on our notes here but that i just thought of is birthdays Mm. do you celebrate birthdays and what is uh what is the perception of a like age yeah do people are think you and like talk about normal their age a lot? people yeah. or are you like south koreans because <laughs> love them cool culture but why do they do birthdays that way yeah uh <laughs> i probably don't um sorry ignore me Useless <laughs> ranting in the background. Uh, no, that's yes. no, but it, no, but it, it's it, it's true. To, it, you know, we do have different examples all over the world of different cultures and how they treat birthdays. Um, but not just that, right? Just like age. Mm-hmm. Do people talk about age a lot? You know, is age is a like big a thing? thing in like how important you are, respected you are as a person, right? Your right, perhaps or, like yeah. your freedom and things like that. Mm-hmm. Or is it like a little more like taboo to talk about? Um, just people don't want to think about their age and that they're getting old and dying or whatever. Um, so like in the, in the novel that I'm working on, that's in, in my world, it's kind of taboo to talk about your age. Um, no one really like cares about how old they are or their birthday or whatever. Um, just because the, the, the culture of the world 
is a, a it's very like capitalist like power like hungry like try to just amass wealth and do whatever you can to get to the top and kill anyone ahead of you um kind of culture that's based on wealth and greed and everything and people don't want to think about age because if you're poor if you think about a how old you're getting it just makes you depressed because you have less and less years to climb the ladder and become wealthy and if you're wealthy you don't want to think about age because you don't want to think about how close you are to dying and losing all of your wealth because you want to keep it forever so it's like a very it's like a it's kind of a social taboo in uh in the in the culture of the world that i was building um but yeah, like Gabe was saying, maybe in like more of a tribal kind of culture, maybe like age matters a lot and like the elders are the most respected or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Speaking of age, what happens when people die? Is there mm-hmm. like a t- tradition around death and burial? Is it like a celebration? Is it more like a, a time of mourning? Is it where in case of like a small culture... Like there's like a whole culture like set time aside to celebrate and respect the elder who died, or is it just like oh person died move on? Yeah. I mean uh, yeah <laughs> death, death and burial is really interesting. I mean one thing is it could be definitely be tied to the religion of your culture. Mm-hmm. Um, what what that religion has to say about death or like if there's an afterlife or all that kind of stuff. Most religions do. Um, so th- it could be tied to that culture's religion, um, or you know, just just kind of based off the culture itself. Um, but like for example, in America, the way we treat death and burials and funerals and stuff is, uh, you know, much different than Eastern cultures, mm-hmm. um, and 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 things like that. In America, it's kind of a taboo thing. Um, people don't really like talking about death and funerals and stuff. Um, whereas in other cultures around the world, it's, you know, people are much more open about that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, we have, like, kind of two different ways, like, you get buried, buried, or you, like, get cremated. Um, but maybe in your culture, you can, like, pull from cultures like the ancient Egyptians, who mummified important people. Yeah, I was just thinking about the ancient Egyptians, like, you should talk about, like, death customs. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no, "Hmm, seriously. Let's add some more here. It's just a little bit too like, boring oh, and simple. Uh, oh, the pharaoh died? Okay, okay, I guess now we'll have to Remove murder his, his wife organs. and all his servants. <laughs> Cremate his cat with him. Yeah. Uh. But, yeah, but it's so cool because, and then they're like, you know, put you in a tomb and put a ton of treasure in there and some weapons and stuff because in their culture, tied to their religion, when when they die, he has to, like, you know, get judged and then and then... But all the stuff he's buried with, he's going to have in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have money if they bury money with him. He's going to have his wife with him because um, they murder her. <laughs> and then, Or, like, bury her alive with him and all his servants and everything. Um, but that's, that's, you know, that's really interesting. I mean, the ancient Egyptians are one of my favorite ancient cultures to study and look at. I love their culture and their history and their mythology. It's really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, one thing that definitely stands out is how they treated death and burial um, during that time. I think it is really unique and really cool. Um, so think about it. Yeah. And on the other end of the spectrum, when you aren't dying, what do people do to like spend their leisure time? I got to say, Gabe, sorry, real quick, your transitions are off the chain today. <laughs> I gotta say, <laughs> you are really killing these transitions. <laughs> All right, sorry, continue. All right, yeah. It's like, what do they do in their time off of, like, their job or their trade? What do they do in the time that they have to spend freely? Is there a good customer like, oh, everyone goes to watch like, a performance at the theater, or perhaps everyone goes to sit around the uh, the bonfire in the middle of a small village and talk and dance or perhaps it's just more like akin to our culture where you know you have several different options of entertainment and things like that it's just a fun little thing to think about like when you're creating a culture you want to think about like okay like what do people do in like their everyday lives like mm. okay they have their jobs obviously i can think like okay this person of the characters might need is going to be a conversion but like to add a bit more to the character like what else do they do? Their hobbies yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I think a great example 
um, is looking at Tolkien's Middle Earth. If you take the dwarves and the elves, the way they spend their leisure time, their forms of entertainment are much different, right? For an elf, they're like, oh, I got some free time. I'm going to go compose a song or write a book or <laughs> study, you know, the ancient mythology or do a painting. And then the dwarves are like, I'm going to go get drunk with my friends uh, or I'm going to, you know, go craft a piece of armor or something. You know, it's just, it's much different based on, on the cultures of how they're spending their free time. What's entertaining to them? The elves, you know, they're like, I'm going to take my nice salad meal and have a band come in, an orchestra really, and just play some nice music with some harps <laughs> and flutes. And then the dwarves are like, I'm going to go to a tavern and, you know, we're just going to have fun and sing songs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then for a hobbit, it's like, I'm going to go outside and smoke <laughs> uh, or eat or eat uh, or eat. Yeah. In addition to the other 11 meals. Uh, Allegiances. But yeah, like, playing around with what people do in their off time gives each character in each culture so much more than just their job, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and sorry, real quick. Um, just, like, when, if you're, like, running... Uh, a tabletop RPG like D&D or whatever this is a great way to immediately immerse your players into the you know the the, the world hmm. say they come to the a city or whatever they, they enter a new region and they enter a new settlement um, with a, a new culture a new group of people just describing like you know what the people are doing around them uh, you know as they walk through the city what they, what they see people um, are doing um, and spending their time on that can really help immerse your players th into the world and yeah. get them interested. If you walk into a new culture and like, oh, this person's a merchant, that's like nothing new. Perhaps, but perhaps this is a merchant that, you know, sing like, yodels loudly as he walks down the street to his whatever. I'm just like throwing things out there. I'm just saying that, you know, jobs don't necessarily make things, you know, unique or whatever. Just because this person is a merchant doesn't make them interesting, or just because this person is an inventor doesn't make them interesting. The way they can make these basic jobs more interesting is by deciding what they do in the, their off time. What else do they do? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Real quick, sports. Um, I know we're all nerds here, so we don't really know how sports work, but... Um, if you do, <laughs> sports are, are a cool thing to also put in a culture. Um, and there's lots of interesting sports if you look at all the different cultures over the world. Like that one Aztec one where they hit the ball with their hips through the hoop. <laughs> I don't know. It's in the El Dorado movie. <laughs> okay, we gotta move on. Yeah, yeah. Art. Art. Speaking of things Art. that add more color to a culture besides just their jobs art that's it that's art. the episode guys really art, art. if but you art think though. about it art what about no but art? what what is the role of art in this culture um how how does it work in society um you know is art a big thing uh, is being an artist a um very you know rec like recognized and respected position is it a lowly position do you get paid a lot to be an artist? <laughs> um, <laughs> if so, show me where that culture is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, all, all, the, all that kind of stuff. Like, how does as an artist like function in your world? Perhaps like the artists like in a small village or small like tribe, they're like, revered for being able to create entertainment for the rest of the tribe. You know, or perhaps right, the artist yeah. is. One small person who's living off meager wages as they sell their art in a big city. Or perhaps art is, like, important for historical... Historical? Is that even a word? <laughs> no, historical. <laughs> historical. Historical. I think it's what you're looking for. <laughs> important. Like, perhaps... It's cool, though. I like it. <laughs> historical. Perhaps history is recorded in... You know, the art, like the songs that people make, the paintings. Yeah. Yes, yes. 
Yeah, that's 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 cool. Um, yeah, definitely. Or like maybe art is like really frowned upon, and it's like a big tribal warrior culture where nobody has time for art because you gotta bulk up and wrestle people and <laughs> go get some weapons and just fight all the time and go hunting, and nobody cares about art. You ain't got time for that. Maybe, maybe that's also a part of the culture. Is art is looked down upon. Yeah. Um. So, you know, p- play around. All right. <laughs> what else we got here on art? Uh, this could tie into like a history, like are there like celebrated artists in the past? You know, is there a Leonardo da Vinci? Is there Doja Cat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Mozart, you know. Mick Jagger, mm-hmm. you know Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber. See, guys, we're cultured. <laughs> this is evidence that we are cultured, and we're not just nerds. I know what Ten Rings is. I've heard it before. Okay, sorry. Uh, I prefer like uh, you know, the Nine Rings. You know, like the Ten Rings that were given to the um, mortal man doomed to die. I'm just kidding. It's nine. I know mm-hmm. my nerd history. Come on. Well, yeah, but yeah, but like Shakespeare. Ring, bro, then go. The seven Rings is just about the dwarves. Oh, <gasps> yeah. We- Ariana Grande's song is actually about she the ring cycle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ariana gives like an interview with Ariana Grande, and she's like, "Yeah, so I was listening to that long opera, and I was like." really inspired to make a song but instead of it being about dwarves who make rings it's about how i'm rich <laughs> and you're like that's cool all right i got bro it. that's like no one's ever done that before wow the 10 rings cycle okay <laughs> sorry we're gonna change it here uh yes but having like certain celebrated artists or whatever in history or in the past uh can be cool um you know what? This reminds me of another thing. Just figures in your culture in general who are revered or respected mm. or, um, you know, kind of put into legend. Maybe they're warriors, maybe they're leaders, or maybe they're artists, if that's what your culture really favors, you know? Or maybe they were, like, they're great pacifists, um, you know, world peace leaders or whatever it is. World peace. World peace. Okay, what else we got here? <laughs> Um, how is art, like, affected by, you know, outside influences from other regions, cultures, races, cities, perhaps, like, just to figure out, like, how, what, like, inspires art, like, perhaps, you know, you have this revered artist, why are they revered, perhaps that they, you know, illustrated something that they was, like, shown by a god, or perhaps, like, they're important because... They made this important song during a wartime that, like, you know, recorded an instance, a battle, a fight, something like that. Or perhaps, like, and that, like, factors into, like, today's art or something like that, where people, you know, use their art to do similar things, like, perhaps the people have done in the past. Or perhaps art is more influenced by you know, mundane things. It's not necessarily used to record, you know, fantastic things that have happened. Perhaps artists just there to be able to celebrate the small things in life. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we live in Hawaii, and I think that's a good example of, like, some different cultures kind of coming together and kind of creating, you know, because yeah. there's the native Hawaiian culture, uh, and then, of course, it became uh, U.S. state, so then it was affected by American culture. And then also, there's a ton of Japanese people here. Um, so it's also affected by Jap- Japanese culture. So you'll find that in Hawaii, you know, the culture has kind of evolved and been affected by outside influences. Um, you know, American culture, because, um, you know, most every like, obviously the most widespread language here is now English instead of ancient Hawaiian. Um, and a lot of people watch anime because <laughs> Japanese <laughs> influence and everything. But, like, you know, that that's what the culture has become because of the effect of these outside influences. Mm. And yeah, exactly how he is saying, like, the art that people consume here has been changed because of the outside influences that have brought that art here. Yeah. Also, some photos in there, like, is perhaps 
there's like a certain form of art or a certain subject of art that is like taboo or forbidden in your culture you know is there like oh you don't you know draw a picture of a god because that's like seen as like sacrilegious or something right right censorship guys censorship is the coolest thing wait that sounds weird um, <laughs> I don't know how to word this I really am interested in the history of like censorship and like art and stuff and like how it's been censored and stuff by the government mm. over time not just like in America but just like all different kinds of cultures and I love like those artists and stuff who would like slip like you know political views and stuff into like their story like George Orwell and stuff like that and like Shakespeare who would like slip like political you know mm -hmm. commentary like into their art and plays and stuff because they were get if they would get censored or whatever from the leadership because of you know certain things yeah that's really cool and that's something that's really interesting and also like even just taking that concept you can build like a whole like side quest out of that yeah you know if you're if you're running a RPG and they come into a new city or whatever and you you have a couple side quests they can go on in this new city, that's like a whole thing. Could be like oh the government is censoring this kind of thing, and yeah, so cool. And you could kind of play with um, one of the characters like ideals or morals if they care about you know freedom of speech if they're like a chaotic good character or whatever. You can mm -hmm. kind of um, play to that. Anyway, yes, taboo arts. Cool, cool, cool. Don't cool, paint cool. a god. What? <laughs> No, that's easy. That was the example you gave. <laughs> so I was just restating it. Um, I mean, you can do whatever you want, listener. Uh, I just, you do you. I, 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 I assume Bahamut um, wouldn't really care. Okay. <laughs> Platinum right, Dragon right. would probably be flattered. Next topic. Moving on from the rants. Fashion. Now. Fashion, baby. Shiloh and I really care about fashion a lot. We are. I fashion fashionistas, yes. I really? wake up, I think about fashion, I mm -hmm. go to sleep, and I dream about fashion. Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm mm -hmm. wearing the most fashionable pair of gym shorts and mm. insanely fashionable uh, stressed tee uh, from some brand that definitely doesn't have holes from, from in Ross. it. From Ross. <laughs> No, I think I got this one from Goodwill. Oh, snap. That's it's, an aesthetic, though. Yeah, it's like retro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, no, we're super fashionable. Mm -hmm. um, I, for one, I'm wearing a full three-piece suit and a bowler hat right now. And a bow tie. Mm -hmm. um, just kidding. I'm actually I'm completely naked. Fur suit, um, but, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, fashion. We don't know a lot about fashion. <laughs> <laughs> But perhaps the people in your culture do. <laughs> yeah, but like, but I mean, you know, we can, it's pretty obvious for, you know, just to be able to tell, fashion can really help dictate. You, you can really tell, like, kind of get an idea of that culture just from the way that people dress. Yeah, like perhaps like people in everyday like dress like really conservatively and that like probably is a factor of something else in their culture that dictates how they should express themselves. Because that's yeah. what fashion is, really. It's trying to express yourself and express right. like your views and things like that. So people who are culturally more reserved probably dress more reserved as well. Or people who culturally are stressed to be like more like out there, flamboyant and things like that, that is typically reflected in their attire. Yeah. And that's, like, so interesting. You know, you can tell so much about a culture just by how they dress. You know, mm -hmm. you, you can make culture, like, so colorful and things like that with, you know, colorful, co colorful coloring in their, what am I saying? <laughs> Clothing. I think I get what you're designs, saying. Designs. Things right. like that. Like, Aztecs. You know, like, color in their, like, art and their, and their uh, clothing and things like that so interesting right. that like like things like that that can be assigned to other people like oh this is what the culture is like just by how they look yeah yeah for sure and if you want like kind of like the 
big like market ex express you know very colorful like m you know merchant culture whatever then you make everyone wear uh you know big carpet cloaks with lots of different colors and patches and things um and you know like you know their marketplaces have like all the spices from all around the world and stuff and you know what i mean like yeah because they have all these colorful bits um and then if you're like oh this race is obviously evil they all wear tattered black cloaks <laughs> uh no no but but seriously though um yeah, I think trending is uh, the trending. Fashion is really important. I just said trending because I was just about to say, what fashion is like trending? You know, what's like, what's in? What's the new hip thing to be wearing? Um, and then how does this kind of like trickle out through the region, right? Is there like an epicenter of fashion? Like in a continent, like in a nation, is there like a city or a region which is kind of like, you know, everything that's setter. happening? Yeah, the trend set, right, right. And then like, how does that kind of trickle out to the rest of the region? Like, how much later do the rest of the regions catch on to the fashion trends? Or how does it, how do they kind of take the fashion trends, but then also kind of put it into their own little subcultures that they've created? Yeah. Um, this is getting kind of deep. Like before, because, like, is there a place that is, like, that trendsetter in art, in fashion, in customs? Like, perhaps, you know, in a very reserved culture, like, perhaps there's this one place that's starting to break away from that and try and set a trend of, you know, changing customs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, this is getting kind of deep. Um, <laughs> as as we're talking through these world building episodes, we do we you know we we get pretty detailed. We're talking about some pretty detailed things here, and these are not all things you need to figure out like first time. Detail all these specific things about the fashion, and all these different things about the the customs and the sports and all that kind of stuff. But they are things to consider, and if you have the time and if you want to explore these things, you definitely should. Mm -hmm. Alright, is there, like, a dress code? This is something that can be seen in our own history, in history and typical, typical fantasy. Is like a dress code in a culture where, oh, you must dress this way, or you dress you for your position, or you dress for your job. Is there a general dress yeah. code in your culture? Mm-hmm. Typical examples. Yeah, like, like wearing suits. Yeah. Or, yeah, whatever. Or, you know, if you work at home, wearing nothing like <laughs> us. Um, and, but the cool thing is, is that now because of quarantine, the, everyone dresses the same now because um, we don't have to go anywhere. Okay. Well, architecture. That means I'm not special. Um, architecture <laughs> is really interesting. I am not a big, like, architecture, like, nerd or anything, but I find it really, really interesting. Um, definitely, like, oh, my favorite is, like, I know, like, this is pretty common stuff, but, like, I love, like, old, like, gothic architecture, like, Notre Dame, for, like, older, you know, mm -hmm. France, and all that kind of stuff. I, I love um, architecture. I went to Europe uh, last summer, and uh, kind of Eastern Europe, we went through, like, Hungary and Germany and stuff. And looking at all their older buildings, um, the different kind of architectural styles and stuff. <sighs> so cool. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and on the less fashionable side of architecture is like, what's the typical architecture of a typical home, you know? Right. Is it something where it's, you know, more run down? Perhaps the typical home is, you know, part of like a complex or perhaps it's, a standalone shack that people have in this widespread out region. Perhaps it's more of like a tent. Perhaps people live, you know, this way or that way. What is the typical architecture that people live in? And also, like we were saying, like, on the more upscale part, like, what is, like, the beautiful architecture in, like, that region? Like, is there a great cathedral? Is there like, a castle? You know, the great big right. walls, grand... Mm-hmm. And also, like, what is it made of? Mm. I think it's pretty important. If you look, once again, at Middle-earth, um, which is, you know, like, the epitome of fantasy worlds, um, the two kingdoms of men, right, Rohan and Gondor. Gondor, the main uh, city of Gondor, Minas Tirith, is literally built out the side of a mountain. Um, so everything's, like, made of stone. Because they carved it out of the side of the mountain. I don't actually know if that's completely true, what I just said, but... The architecture is all stone work, and it's at least built onto the side of the mountain. I don't actually know if they carved it from a mountain. 
Um, and then if you look at Rohan, who live in these big fields where there's like not a lot of topography changes, everything's made out of wood because all they have access to is forests uh, for lumber. They don't have access to mountains or stones or iron or things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, how does the natural resource in the world, in that region, you know, how does that factor into the architecture? What do they have at hand to be able to build? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm sorry I keep going back to Middle-earth, but it's just such a good example of so (laughs) many things. If you look at, uh, you know, just like giving your architecture just kind of a general vibe as well, just like a little aesthetic can go a long way. For example, at least in the films um, of The Lord of the Rings, like all the uh, orc architecture or like the dark architecture for all the villains is very sharp and jagged tall towers with lots of jagged sides the orc encampments are very rudimentary and just sharp um and then like the dwarves are very blocky and thick architecture um you know lots of like looming pillars and and large halls that are very you know like smooth and and block cut and then the elves are very sweeping and um curved uh lines and uh a much more softer kind of uh, aesthetic to their architecture. I'm sorry, my siblings are screaming <laughs> loudly in the background. <laughs> uh, it's they're having fun. They're playing. I, it, it's not like they're trust me. They're, each other, they're having fun. They're having fun. Yeah, uh, they're definitely not brawling. Uh, those are not screams of pain. Okay, let's get yeah. to the best part of art. Boom! Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and now we'll be taking a screen break. <laughs> Alright, All right. Gabe, food. Food. Let's talk about it. I'm so I love food. I'm very hungry now. <laughs> uh so how do people in your culture make their peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Yeah. Butter side up, butter side down. Big question. Cult, like, really define your culture. I just have the most, like, disgusting image. Like, well, imagine, like, an inside out peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, <laughs> what? Bro! <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like we take the bread and then we spread everything all around it. So you go through <laughs> the peanut butter and jelly on the outside into the bread in the middle. That uh, it, it literally defeats the purpose of a sandwich. The reverse crustable. <laughs> uh, uh, no, but I mean, maybe not that weird. And, you know, that's a very stupid idea. But that is a thing, though. You know, like, their foods and, like, how do they eat it? But also, like, what goes into their foods? What, what do they have access to? What kind of meat do they have access to? The, the, you know, people who live in the mountains... Versus people who live by a river going to have access to different kinds of protein. Yeah. And also the thing to keep in mind is, like, how does, like, the typical cuisine differ from people who are in, like, the lower class to people who are more well-off? You know, is it Mm. more seasoning or perhaps it's they have access to more and better protein or, you know, better fresh vegetables and things like that? And that also factors into, I know I'm ranting on going on going on, just like the typical like, state of health in your culture. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that partially depends on what are they eating on a regular basis, what do they have to eat, and other factors like that. Right. Yeah, this is getting, once again, yeah, a little deep. Really neat. But it is, yeah. <laughs> it is something, no, but it is something to, to definitely consider and to look at, because... When you put these kinds of things into your story, into your world, if you're you know playing an RPG game or whatever, people will notice um, that you've taken the time to be like, okay, so like, what kind of crops and stuff do they have access to, depending on like the climate of where they live, what kind of plants can they kind of grow? You don't have to be super, super specific, but have some basic ideas. Yeah, you okay, don't need to make like, an entire storyline out of what type of grain, but perhaps like when the yeah when the characters are in this mountainous town and they go to the tavern, you can add like. Oh, like as I sit down to like get their food and stuff, they realize it is, you know, 
this type of food that is available in the region. You know, it's just like an old thing they can add in there. As with a lot of these things we've talked about, to just add a bit more to the world. Yeah. Super cool. And then we kind of already talked about this, but like, when do you, when, when is the meal times? How many meals do they have? Right? Hobbits have seven. Um, you know, like, are there traditions that precede or follow a meal? Right? Yeah. Um, in Christian culture, you pray. In Japanese culture, you go, atatakimasu, before you eat. Um, or like, uh, what's it called? Bon appetit. Uh, whatever it is. <laughs> right? Are there, are there customs or traditions that precede or follow a meal? I thought, I thought you had to sing like, you know, the Be My Guest song every time before you oh, eat. Oh, no, right? no, yeah. No, that, no, that is That's that the is French true. culture, right? Yes, in, in France, you do have to sing Be Our Guest from Beauty and the Beast. Every time before you eat a meal, uh, you have to split into four-part harmony um, mm-hmm. uh, in the chorus, and, you know, you need, you need a leading guy. Um, actually, French children, one of the first things they learn in school is, like, the alphabet, yeah, their numbers, their colors, their shapes, and that song. Everyone is raised on that song from the Disney movie made by Americans mm-hmm. of France. Um, that actually has affected the entire culture. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, and okay. so getting... before we move on, perhaps like yeah, your go cult- ahead. perhaps like your the food is really important to your culture. You know, it's part of like how they celebrate and what they you know look forward to in life. You know, perhaps like they're all about you know making this dish or making food, and it's a big part of you know who they are as a culture. Just in case you want to, like, make culture a bit different, you can use food to do that. Yeah. There's all kinds of things you can pull from, right? That's what these world-building episodes are about. We want to give you inspiration. We want to give you ideas, things to think about. Because, you know, you're building a culture, you're building a nation or a race or whatever it is. There's so many things you can pull from. You know, a single aspect and just build the whole culture around it. Like Gabe just said, food is like cooking and being a chef like the most revered position or whatever. Or you can pull from what we talked about earlier about um, like sports or about uh, fashion or their, their celebrations or legendary figures in their history, right? You can take a single thing and build a whole culture around it. And that's what's so fun about world building. That's what's so cool. Mm-hmm. All right, we've got more things to cover here. Next up, education. Um, does it suck? No. Like here. <laughs> Just kidding. Kind of. Yes. Not really. <laughs> um, no, yeah, but like, does education exist? Are people learned? Mm-hmm. Can a lot of people read? Or can like not a lot of people read? Yeah, what's the general level of education? Was the system of education in your culture? Is it very structured like ours? Isn't more like, oh, you learn what people teach you, what people pass on to you. And education that can also factor into like how developed the world is, how developed the culture is. You know, a more developed culture, you know, where they're or they have like technological advances, they probably have a better education system than a small rural tribe. Right. Yeah. But this is actually, like, not a niche thing. This is actually a very important thing to figure out. When it comes to your culture and your people or whatever, the level of education matters a lot. Um, and really um, affects other things like art. You know what I mean? If you're in a place where people have very limited education, only the most high nobility or whatever ever learns how to read, then not a lot of people are going to be, like, reading books in their pastime or studying in their pastime or whatever, because they can't read. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, you know, that's very important. And also factors into, like, their beliefs and things like that. Like, you know, people who can't read, perhaps they can't read, you know, their Bible and some things like that, so they rely on yes. other people to tell them about their beliefs, which is something you can pull from actual real history. Right. Yeah. Catholicism <clears throat> and the whole thing of how... The old Bibles used to be in Latin, so only the uh, priests could read it and understand it, and the masses just came in and listened to Latin. They couldn't understand for hours. And then, yeah, uh, 
that was a really good time. Okay. Yeah, that made a lot of sense. <laughs> that made a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, and then there's a lot of, you know, that's how a lot of corruption stuff came into the church. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that is that is a cool thing, though, to draw from, right? Yeah. A thing in history that was really interesting that you could, that should inspire you. Yeah. But don't try and, like, do that again in our world, please. <laughs> well, nowadays it's very easy to translate things. Um, thank create, God. What if you create, like, your own new language? <laughs> and a new religion. And a new religion. Which, the holy text is only made in your new language. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, here's my suggestion. Don't, uh, if you're going to do that, um, just make it in your fantasy world instead. Because mm-hmm. then it will actually mean something. Um, rather than making it here in this world. Okay. <laughs> what do we got next here? Uh, magic. Like, is magic taught in your world? Is it studied? You know, mm. is that, like, part of, like, everyday education where people learn about magic? Or perhaps it's only for people who have some sort of aptitude for, for magic? Or it's for people who pay enough? You know, how is magic taught, studied in your world? Does it exist? There's schools for it. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about magic in a whole episode yeah. at the end of this world-building series. We're suspecting uh, two world-building episodes from now, so two months from now. However, our next episode, we may have to split into two parts, um, depending on, you know, at the rate we're going in this episode, that's probably going to have to be split into two parts. Okay. <laughs> um, but real quick, what you did mention at the end about schools, like training magicians or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. Like in uh, Skyrim, right? Isn't there a magic school? Yes. Um, yeah, so, so so stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Although other, like, other like, vocational schools, you know, where people go to learn how to be right. carpenters, masons, things like that. Right. Or is it like apprenticeships? Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Okay, and we talked about literacy rates, right? Mm-hmm. How does that affect communication and the distribution of information? Right? Is it like a town crier or is there like a newspaper? That's a really good illustration, yeah. Yeah. Do people, like, gossip, you know, like, they meet and they have to physically gossip or they write each other letters? So they can remotely Um, gossip. So they can remotely gossip, exactly. (laughs) Um, So they can gossip, but eloquently. Mm. Uh, Okay, final section here. Gender roles. Um, Well, okay, we're not just talking about gender roles in this section here. We're just kind of talking about, yeah, gender roles, but, like, just family all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, courtship and all that is kind of stuffed into this. We're just calling it gender roles. It's kind of a blanket <laughs> uh, term for this topic. Yeah. So, obviously, what are the gender roles in your culture? Are there gender roles right. in your culture? You know, is it expected that the man is to provide? Or is it expected that both are to provide for the family, like, monetarily? Is it where... Perhaps you flip it on, like, the typical perceived, like, trend where the man is to provide the money and the woman, like, you know, is the home baker and stuff. Yeah. Perhaps you flip it on its head where perhaps in your culture women are the most revered in positions of power, typically, and they provide for the family, you know? Right. Drow culture Mm. in uh, D&D, in the Forgotten Realms. Um, Gender roles, women are very much the... Um, heads of all the houses, they're the most powerful, they're the most revered, they're the only ones who can be priestesses, um, and the men are in turn um, considered, like, lesser. Yeah, they just have different roles. They, they're, like, military captains, and they can be wizards sometimes, but, like, they can never become priestesses or whatever, and never become heads of heads of uh, houses in drought culture. That's reserved for women. Um, or, you know, maybe the man is, like, men are, you know, expected to become warriors uh, or, you know, women are expected to be educated or whatever it is. Yeah. Basic ground rules for, like, how people in your culture function and also how do they function as a family, you know? Mm. We were already talking about this, but it was just like, like, how does a family function? Is there specific roles within the family? Uh, Mm -hmm. Is family... Like something where you are like one family with your extended family, you know, where you live with all of your relatives and things like that. Yeah. And this is like in a lot of cultures, 
in our own world where people would stay with their close family and their extended family and they consider themselves like one group there or is it perhaps like right. more like in America where like you stay with your immediate family and then your extended family is like still part of your family but they're like far away and not necessarily included yeah. in everything uh, right the, f- the family unit is just split up into yeah. like just like just in the immediate family mm-hmm. right parents and their children um but you know in some cultures um it's it's like the aunties the uncles the grandma the grandpas they all live mm-hmm. together um yeah i think that's important in the family unit um and yeah yeah just like how the how the family unit like just functions right like you were saying kind of just like the roles does the older ch- oldest child have this particular responsibility yeah. or whatever um what is like the average like number of kids people have um all that kind of stuff yeah other things like oh the oldest boy is the heir you know right to the family fortune to the family rulership things like that or is it like a competition between the children you know a lot of different things you can throw in there in the family unit right like that uh, musical uh, 10 ways to get away with murder or something that's super side tangent. Okay, anyway. <laughs> uh, it's a musical about a guy, though, who the, uh, a very rich relative is going to die, or they did die, and then he has to, like, kill his family members to inherit the wealth. I think. I don't know a lot about it. I'm sorry. If you know what I'm talking about, maybe that was a good example for you. Okay. All right. What is considered a, like, a good parent... Like, you know, is something ex- expected of parents in your culture? Like, oh, it is expected that the father passes on his trade to his right. son, you know? Is it expected that the wife, you know, teaches the kids, like, you know, civil things and manners and things like right. that? It's what's right. expected of a family. Mm-hmm. Also, okay, now we're getting on to the... The love, the romance part of our podcast. <laughs> uh, actually, I think we should. This is just super sad tension. I just thought of it though. I think we should do an episode sometime in the future about like romance. Um, like yes, in storytelling, and like the you know the the formula of romantic stories or whatever. But um, also like romance and tabletop RPGs. That's just such a weird topic. <laughs> I don't know if we're super like. Um, qualified to, to like have a lot of expertise on it or whatever because we don't have a lot of experience in our games or anything. Yeah, we're like I don't you know really think a lot of people do, but like we can like give our guys, opinions and stuff. So we just like all make out at the end of every session. So yeah. No problem. <laughs> um, yeah, but like oh, yeah, our group is like all guys, so we never, we never, we've never had. Uh, I mean, we barely had any romances in the game. We've had a couple people, kind of get together with NPCs. Um, we've never had any PCs to get together or anything, though. Um, but like Critical Role, yeah, there's like romance in Critical Role, <laughs> and uh, some of the PCs get together, and some PCs get together with NPCs. I think actually, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- I feel like we maybe we should do uh, an episode on romance. I think that'd be interesting. Anyway, <laughs> romance in your world, in your world though. Mm-hmm. Marriage, courtship. Marriage. Dating, um, you know, romance. Together. It today. <laughs> what a great movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. like how does like okay. romance work in your world? And, you know, is it a strict yeah. courting system where all these rules and regulations are set in place? Is it more like, yo, go and do whatever? There are no rules for it. Is it where? <clears throat> people don't see each other while they're courting you know it's a lot of things you can throw in there right. about how romance and relationships work in your world yeah. and what happens everything leading up to the marriage how the marriage is you know sanctified or regulated and things like that mm-hmm. this all factors into like how is the culture structured like is it a very conservative is it a very rule like totalitarian why am i saying 
<laughs> legalistic What's going on? culture is the sure. very, you know, wild and free culture that types into how romance. Yeah, like Greece. Holy crap. Mm. They were crazy in ancient Greece. I got it. Got to say. Yeah, uh, I wonder what they would like if they discovered women exist. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but what Gabe was saying, like, is marriage a civil, like, governmental arrangement? Is it, a re- is it like, under the blanket of religion? You know, just kind of like that culture's, like, main religion kind of oversee marriage, and that's, like, it's a, it's a religious institution. Um, or, like, you know, is it a, is it a legal thing? Th- those are all things to think about. And what he was saying about arranged marriages, right? Do people marry for love? If not, you know, why do they marry? Do they marry for money or whatever? Or do people even get married? Mm, Or do people have, like, just multiple partners throughout their life or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. You know, just all all those kinds of questions. And that that affects a lot, like, the family unit that we were talking about. You lay them a love. Sorry. What? (laughs) Or, like, are they, uh... Polygamous relationships, right? That's yes. what it's called. Yeah, polygamous, monogamous, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and and also in a lesser uh, extent, like how do yeah, what you were saying, like how do they view you know sex, how taboo is all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, is it like Greece, just you know, <laughs> do whatever the heck you want, or is it more a little like taboo or restricted, um, you know? Like, uh, adultery and all that kind of stuff is, like, frowned down upon, or is that commonplace, or all that kind of stuff. Yeah, all that fun, great stuff. All that fun stuff. <laughs> um, okay, that brings us to kind of the end of what, what we kind of would talk about in this episode, but there's a thing that we close every world-building episode with because it's very important. Gabe, what is that? Mm-hmm. Number one world-building question. If I make a change to the world, you always want to ask yourself this. How does this affect the other aspects of the world? It's true, though. Yeah. Basically, whenever I'm making a change, you want to figure out how does this affect the other things that I've set in place in the world? You know, is there like a waterfall effect? You know, this leads yeah. to this, leads to this, and it's all falling over. You want to figure out how things fit together in the puzzle of your world. Right, because you want to at least make your world a consistent, you know, place. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yes. Right? Um, mm-hmm. If there's a place, you know, where, like, horses don't exist in your world, but for some reason people, like, travel really quickly to places and they don't have any sort of, like, tra- like you're like, you have to figure out how do people travel now? Mm-hmm. How do certain things work? Because you don't have horses. Yeah, you can you know, make you your can't world just have as colorful yeah. as you want, but if it isn't, you know, legible to the players, if it isn't like believable and understandable, then you're kind of missing the mark. Yeah, because um, that's like the number one thing people just like people pick that out immediately. Um, just like how like when you're watching a movie, like the only thing you can think about is plot holes, <laughs> the moment they come up. Um, it's the same thing. Like, you're like, wait, that doesn't make sense. That's not consistent with their world. Immediately takes people out. Right? Breaks the immersion. Um, so that's just something to think about. Alright, any final thoughts before we go to closing? Um, please forgive us for our rants. And... <laughs> no, that's what they're here for. <laughs> <laughs> if you are still here, thank you. Thanks. Let's go to closing. Okay, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. That's the end of this episode. Good old world building episode. Nice to be back. Back in our world back building in series. Business, baby. Back in business. Yep. All right, real quick so plugs. Once again, mm-hmm. recap. Uh, so, at e20 underscore academy on Instagram. Uh, message us there if you want to get into our Discord. We also now have a YouTube channel with the same name where we are slowly uploading our past episodes there if that is your preferred, preferred form of entertainment that you can search us up on YouTube find our episodes there. Alright, 
Yes. But in closing, next episode, it's going to be a class spotlight on the Warlock. Warlock is Shiloh's yeah. favorite class mechanically. <laughs> he loves it so much. I, I, I love the mechanics of his class. I love how it works. I love how spellcasting works. <laughs> I love invocations. I love everything about it. Um, just kidding. If you want to hear my actual thoughts, come back next week. We're going to be breaking form a little bit and doing a world building and a class spotlight episode right after an, uh, one after another. But that's because we got a we got another we got a two parter um, that we want to fit in uh, next month. That's going to be really exciting, and you'll hear more about that next week. All right. Till then, play Mystic. Shoots. What did you just say? Play Mystic. No, don't play a mystic. <laughs> Please. Or maybe. Mm. Depends on how much you like your uh, jam. Okay, bye. Mm.